Welcome to the Blue Sky Education Thinking Podcast with your hosts, Stephanie Mullins, Matt Simmons, and me, Kerry Ruffle. So it's really interesting to see how business schools have responded in the short term and the changes they've made that have really made a difference and they've done it so well. But now we're beginning to see the changes that they're going to make long term. So that's online learning, digital infrastructure, what changes are actually going to have an impact well into the future and really benefit future students. So it's a topic that many schools are starting to look at and starting to implement and we've spoken to more deans about this this future impact. There was perhaps a scenario that we could have imagined as recently as 5, 10, 15 years ago where um, in terms of the MBA and Masters programmes as you had some of the global brands that were taking a step uh, in that direction, they had the potential uh, to bring in uh, classrooms from all over the globe and really undermine uh, many of the local uh, business schools. It has been very interesting to see, not, not only until COVID has that sort of, uh, I guess, tipping point of online delivery, uh, we're only really now starting to see that. If you look at uh, online MBA programs, there are perhaps only six or seven really top quality programs that offer uh, an online MBA. I think that that will change dramatically uh, in the next five years. But, but even with that global reach, I think the ability of uh, business schools uh, to have such local uh, influence, you know, they are major uh, employers, uh, sources of talent in their local regions. Uh, and I think that you will see um, many business schools continuing to play that important role. Now, perhaps how they do it and the timeframes with which individuals now uh, interact with business schools. I think, you know, we still have this model uh, based on Bologna that sees uh, individuals going towards um, one year specialized master's programs. In fact, there's incredible demand at the moment during the downturn for that. Uh, and then the MBA at that latest stage. But I think, you know, a lot talk about how it will become far more modular uh, and we will pick and choose the skill sets that we're then looking to deliver uh, through our professional careers. I think one of the areas of great interest to me is the changing relationship that business schools will see with technology partners. Right now I see it as a partnership uh, with the likes of uh, Coursera, Google and many others um, but you know Google themselves are saying well we will offer courses that will be sort of employer qualifying uh, and you can do them in just a handful of months. I think for the time being Google and other tech partners will need the business schools uh, to work side by side and it'll really start to play out um, perhaps five ten years from now uh, as the tech feel that they have the uh, capacity to generate their own content. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough battle but uh, you know ESCP is what the, the world's oldest business school they're now 201 years old so uh, they have shown uh, the ability to adapt to those circumstances uh, and I guess you know the theme of this particular session um, is about being able to uh, adapt and embrace those opportunities for change. One thing we can all agree on in particularly in the light of the coronavirus is that this isn't something that's going to go away particularly quickly so business schools have they've done the firefighting now they've put in place programs and support systems and ways in which they can deliver their their programs and their learning in the short term the business schools now need to be looking to the future they need to appreciate that it might be for, for quite a while we're we're all based at home we're not traveling and we're not engaging in the same ways we used to so how is that going to impact 
what they continue to offer to students and to, to corporates and to businesses that they work with and what it is they will need in terms of the professionals they're bringing in on the teaching and the development side. What are they going to need from new faculty? What are they going to need from new corporate partners and how can they best position themselves to step out into this new world? And it's this topic in particular that our interviewees want to discuss today, isn't it, Steph? Who will we be hearing from in this episode? That's right. We're really looking at opportunities. And um, we are kicking off with Dana Brown. She's the Dean of the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. And we'll be following up with Angus Lang. And he is the Dean of Lancaster University Management School. So if we kick off with Dana, here we go. What changes have you seen during this period? Because you've been in your role about a year now, is that right? That's correct. Yes, I've been at Carleton for one year this summer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a, a dramatic amount of change, really, um, from March of this year. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the, the most significant change was the need to shift all of our learning to a remote format. Um, and this happened virtually overnight. Um, I fortunately work uh, with faculty members who are um, extremely... Uh, flexible and supportive and you know really all pulled together to to make that happen but in business education a lot of what we do is experiential um, there's quite a lot of hands-on learning working in companies we always place a high value on teamwork on networking on interactions so we had to really think how we're we going to replicate that experience for our students um, in a remote format um, so that's been the biggest transition for us um, I think, you know, the other transition has really been our global presence. I mean, for all of us in business schools, uh, we are accustomed to, to travel, um, to making those connections uh, at conferences, uh, presenting our papers, uh, networking with people. Um, and that, again, all had to transition to a new format. So we've learned new ways of connecting with one another in our community, connecting with our students and then connecting globally and keeping that reach. The other major change that I've noticed is that um, the, the, the conditions around the pandemic have almost immediately pulled us closer to our local business community. Um, it became clear, you know, within weeks uh, of us locking down that we would need to be closer partners uh, with the business community and with other community organizations uh, in the process of um, recovery, rethinking, re-strategizing for the future. And while this was a part of our mission in the past it's now a core part of our mission and i see that you know for the next decade uh that our business school is going to play uh an important role you know collaborating with working closely with the local businesses to aid in recovery I, I say the word recovery but i always like to say we don't want to go back to the way things are we want it to be better um so working with uh, the business community to ensure that that happens Fabulous. And what a positive outcome for, from something that has been so, that has caused so much unprecedented change. 
Yes. Yeah. And that's not to uh, in any way undermine the suffering that people have, mm. have experienced during this time and, and businesses. I mean, to have a, a kind of positive outlook in the future doesn't mean that we don't recognize how hard this has been for small business owners. Um, I think we are merely looking at, you know, how can we, how can we help <laughs> and mm. add value um, to the future? It'll be a rough road. And I think as many um, minds uh, that are on the challenges that we face, the better. Uh, and I hope that, you know, I can uh, help to facilitate some of the connections between the great minds at my university um, and the needs uh, in our community, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, business schools are full of such fantastic brains that can really help provide actual useful advice and guidance for people who are trying to navigate a whole new world. And I mean, in my position, I see journalists and editors looking for these comments to help people how they can make the world better and improve their businesses and be resilient to change um, and it's wonderful that business schools are more and more doing that with their local communities directly yes and we try I guess you know the the thing is that you know business it's a discipline onto itself but it's also an approach a set of behaviors and skills that you know can help in a number of different situations so you know, we don't only work with businesses. We also try to reach out to uh, community organizations, government organizations. We're here in the nation's capital uh, of Ottawa, um, you know, and apply the same kind of entrepreneurial mindset, the skills uh, that we uh, that we use to kind of leverage resources, see the big picture, strategize in business to think through some of the challenges that we're facing in the world today. That's fantastic. And, and it's interesting that it's not only the academics and the faculty that are offering help and, and the business school staff, but it's also a lot of the time it's the students and their projects and they're, they're trying to make a difference and help as well. Yes, well, we're, our students have been absolutely fantastic in this. Um, you know, one of the initiatives that we put in place right away in the summer was we uh, offered our students a, a little certificate in crisis management and recovery. A couple of our professors pulled together. They were experts in, in crisis uh, and pulled together a certificate program. Um, and then we matched the students with local businesses and teams to help work with those businesses on strategizing for the future. And that's been run through our Sprott Student Consultancy Organization, which has also strengthened during this period. It was, an, it was a pilot program that is now a large program um, wow. because it is a vehicle to, you know, working with and supporting local organizations. Awesome. Awesome. Another positive impact and hopefully something that will continue long term and something that we'll see for, for years to come. Because um, we're definitely seeing a lot of changes that, that are probably going to be for a while and will change the way business and business education in particular um, is taught and it is delivered. Um, do you see other long term changes to the industry in that respect? I do. I mean, I think, you know, another... Um change that came up when you just asked that question in my mind is, of course, you know, consumer habits are changing. Um, I think in overall, society is reflecting a lot more on our ways of li living, our values, 
what we consume, how we consume, where things are coming from. I think this will have a major uh, impact uh, on on business practice. Um, I've long been an advocate for uh, sustainability um, in business practices and responsible management. And now I think this becomes kind of a core element of the way that businesses operate in the future. Uh, so I, our intention in our business goal is to ensure that our students are always thinking about, well, what is the, what is the purpose and potential uh, of business uh, to make a difference in the world? And always thinking um, about, you know, what the implications are of certain behaviors and practices um, in business. I think that will become a long-term part of business education. And I speak not only from my own school, but also from being a part of the industry and connected to other business schools and deans, that there's a lot of uh, a movement in that direction away from teaching the simple shareholder value model of business um, to thinking more broadly about business and society. That's fantastic. And, and hearing about the positive impacts that business schools are having is, is even better because it's, it's real world impacts. It, it's not ideas anymore. It's, it's definitely a, an actual mm. impact they're having on, on real businesses and real people. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Mm. And I think that may be another way to frame the, the shift that's happening, right? Uh, is, you know, we have, to, we have to be there and show our relevance. Um, and I think that's the case uh, in higher education mm. overall in general, for sure. Yes, I agree. I think higher education and business education is very good at staying relevant, understanding trends and making sure that they are teaching their students and researching these aspects that are becoming so important in the world. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Mm. Sure. Fantastic. So it's really interesting to hear your thoughts on all of this. And, and I was wondering, is there anything that you would like to speak about that we haven't touched upon yet in this podcast? No, I just would say, you know, that I think the future of business education is exciting. I think it's going to be different. I think, you know, one thing to expect is that there will be, as a result of the closer partnerships that I was talking about earlier, they represent not only an opportunity for impact, but they also represent an opportunity for students to learn in a different way. I think there will be a lot more hands-on learning for students, opportunities to work in companies, to, to, to kind of go with the flow, right? Um, there's no textbook that's going to tell us what the future looks like, right? So we need to be in there, engaged, coming out, reflecting, using our knowledge to influence the direction that, that businesses are going. And I think students will be a part of that. To me, that's an exciting educational journey for students to go on, so. Yeah, definitely. And having that aspect of student experience is really cool because a lot of the time we talk about changes being in delivery online. So it's more tech, it's more blended learning, it's more virtual as well as face to face. But then those experiences as well. That's another aspect of how education and delivery will change most likely in the years to come. Absolutely. So no longer the classroom becomes the locus of education. I think the world, the community, the businesses, they become the places where education is occurring. I do think that 
the remote aspects and the, the online learning will uh, become a part of our future, a permanent part of our future for sure. It won't re completely replace face-to-face. -face. Um, I hope we get back to that. Um, but I think that what we are learning in the process of um, moving to remote learning is, you know, where is that most beneficial for our students? Where can we increase our reach, increase our own productivity and, you know, and, and best work with our students? Absolutely, because ultimately those are going to be the leaders of the future and they're going to manage these businesses and, and make an impact on society in that respect. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. So, will business education of the future be embedded in businesses and move away from the classroom? Well, that remains to be seen. But what we do know is that business schools will need to continue to evolve their offering Angus Lang is Dean of Lancaster University Management School and the former chair of the Chartered Association of Business Schools. He believes that whilst the coronavirus may have forced business schools to change their practices quicker than they may have planned, this evolution has always been on the cards and is a vital step forward in business education. Angus, could you just begin by telling us about the changes you've seen at your own institution well, I suspect I suspect what we've seen absolutely mirrors what we've seen in most other institutions, not just in the UK, Europe, but 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 globally, and that great pivot from face to face to to online, and I suppose the abiding uh, sense I get is things that many colleagues, and we know how conservative academic colleagues can be, oh we couldn't possibly do this, and this is going to take years to change. Um, that pivot occurring in the matter of months, if not if if not weeks, given the timing, given the timing that it hit us. Um, so it's demonstrated to me an ability for schools, for academics, and I think when you look across the piece, the sector, to adapt, adapt very quickly. Now, obviously, within this, there's been a huge set of trade-offs. You would not, in if you were doing this under other circumstances, this type of move, this type of flipping the classroom mentality would take a lot of, there'd be a lot of investment in it, there'd be time, there'd be consideration. We've not, be, we've not been able to do that. So I'm not suggesting that what we've done any more than what other institutions have done is, 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 is perfect. But it has provided us, I think, with a platform for a different way of looking at our future, for really thinking long and hard about, not so much about what we deliver, but how we deliver. So I think it's it's the beginning of a the beginning of a long journey. There's a lot of a lot we'll recognise in the broader media about the pandemic being described as a great accelerator. Mm -hmm. There is no question that for the business school world, for Lancaster, it has been a great accelerator in that change, in that pivot to digital. I think the other, only other thing I'd draw attention to is I think it's raised some questions about. Um, our income streams and in particular dependence on international student flows, particularly in, in many schools, dependence on a relatively small number of markets, China, India, most obviously. And the financial consequences, not just on the business school, but on the wider university, given the role we play as business schools within a, within a university, um, of the sustainability of that, of that model. And a question in my mind is whether the pattern of student international student mobility we've seen, we've grown accustomed to, in many ways we've actually grown to love, um, will continue. Uh, and if not, what will we be replacing it by, both in terms of the delivery of education and in terms of the income streams?
I think you raised two very important points there. Firstly, about delivery and how teaching will actually be carried out. Um, and secondly, about student and international travel and, and the recruitment. And I wonder if, with your connections in the industry, you're hearing about what people's feelings are towards teaching online and towards student recruitment. So if we begin with, with delivery, do you think that this is going to have a long-term impact in how business is taught? Yeah, I think it's. I think. I think. I think it almost unequivocally will, um, and I think it'll unequivocally will in a good way. So we've all we've we've all talked for long enough about flipping the classroom, and again, it's back to this point I was making earlier. There's been every reason as to why we won't do why we won't do that. Why it's too difficult. Why it's too costly, etc. We've effectively gone into that. Certainly, most of the institutions I I know of, I I, I talk to, are looking at the lectures are online. If we're doing face-to-face -face teaching, it is going to be seminars, workshops, laboratories face-to-face, -face, and isn't that very much what the whole idea behind the flipped classroom was? Mm -hmm. And I think I, I find it very hard to believe we're going to go back to back to that. I certainly get a sense from talking to students, and we have had the advantage, and many of us as business schools will have had this because we tend to teach later in, into the year uh, than many many other many other disciplines, uh, particularly at master's level. And a lot of the students, when it's when it's synchronous um, online delivery, they through through Teams, through Zoom, whatever mechanism you're using, there is actually a real like for that because it does it does encourage interaction, it doesn't encourage the raising of questions. If you've got two hundred students. We all know many students aren't going to go and put their hand up in a large in a large lecture theatre. They are much happier doing it when when it's down the chat bar on the side, and that I think is something that is is valuable in terms of the the uh, learning experience. I think if we start to look at some of the asynchronous uh, activity, we can really start to look at how we construct our programs and do more, if you like, preparatory work before students arrive physically for a program, assuming we will continue as I think we will, with programs that do have a strong face-to-face -face dimension. Um, as so I'm looking at some of the work that, that we're doing, we're providing students with more preparatory work, material that used to be in the course they received in lectures when they're here. And what we are then substituting that with is more experiential learning opportunities when they're here. So that's a bit that does need them to be, to be physically present. Can we get them out into companies? Can we get them working on projects? That type of work, but moving some of the preparatory work uh, to, to before the, before the program starts, once they've, once they've registered, once they've paid their deposit. It's, I think, opening up some really, really interesting opportunities. I think the, the level of pervasiveness of the technology means that most of our students are very, very comfortable with it. If you'd gone back five years, they probably, even five years, they probably wouldn't have been as comfortable as they are now. Now everybody is comfortable with it. Even the, even the middle-aged academics, and help us are quite comfortable with it as well so that i think is what's really going to drive it forward so i i think it's not going to go back to it was this is not going to be a wave that suddenly washes through and we're back to the way it was before it is going to change it it is going to change it permanently i think the interesting issue is if it changes it permanently what does that mean in terms of our infrastructure we've all gone out lancaster is a 
quintessential example, going and spending tens of millions of pounds on a new building. Mm. Okay, interesting. Uh, it's got lots of offices. We've got people working mostly from home. Um, what are we going to be doing with that? Um, what do we need in terms of lecture theatres versus more, more seminar rooms? A whole variety of issues around the physical infrastructure. Most universities, I sit on a states committee, um, when we think about capital investment, we think primarily about buildings. We don't think enough about the digital infrastructure as part of that. And if we do, it's relatively small in terms of, of the scale of that investment. Uh, we've also got to start thinking about the staff we need. Have we got the right staff to do this? There's diff a, a different approach. What do we need? Is it disciplinary, disciplinarily oriented research academics? Or is it more around people who are capable of learning facilitation, supporting the learning experience? So I think it raises a lot of questions for us all. Absolutely. It sounds like there are a lot of questions around investment and where are you going to invest that time and that money? Is it on people who are going to really boost the progress that we've seen during this pandemic for online teaching or for working from home rather than for lecture theatres because when we think of teaching now we think of standing at the front of a lecture theatre with students side by side arm to arm in a class and I'm, I, I don't think we do anymore and and do you think this this thought process is really beginning to have an impact now? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it is. Um, I, I'd have said I've been genuinely impressed with the way in which our academic colleagues have embraced this move. Obviously, there's been the more people who are more enthusiastic, and others obviously less enthusiastic. But I've been overall impressed. What I don't think necessarily has happened as widely as that. Okay, we'll roll our sleeves up. We'll do this. Is an acceptance that this is going to be. And we, we were talking about this earlier, the expression, the new normal. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a little bit that people are not necessarily convinced that the world is, the world is changed um, completely. For what it's worth, I think it has. Um, I think it is this catalyst, it's that great accelerator that has crystallized a lot of things that we've been lurking in the background. It's not as if the top of the things that we're doing haven't been the subject of discussion in, in conferences, in publications for a long, long time. It's just now the, the dam has burst. It's open. I don't think we're going to go back. Yes, no, I, I think you're right as well. And, and it's interesting that at the beginning you talked about how this is going to affect international student recruitment and, and actually how universities are funded. Um, and it's interesting that you talk about these changes because I think a lot of the changes answer what students have been asking for in terms of flexibility, in terms of online learning, in terms of having those resources and those materials online. I, I think that has been asked for by, by a lot of students and I wonder if that's going to have an impact in, in attracting them. Um, I mean, in terms of student recruitment, what, what are your thoughts? How do you think that that's looking now? Right. So there's, there's, there's several strands there. I'd come back and just, I was, I was smiling when you were talking about students having asked for this. Mm -hmm. uh, we know, for example, across the University of Lancaster, the Students' mm -hmm. Union has been pushing very, very hard for digital, far greater digital content to be made mm -hmm. available. And it's met with a sort of fairly mm, cautious um, yeah. response. 
We've been very fortunate, um, as I suspect many institutions are, of working well with their student union or their student representatives within within faculties, such as in the management school of Lancaster. Um, and they have been hugely supportive. It's been hugely valuable to have their their insights, mm-hmm. um, both immediate school leavers, undergraduates, uh, as well as our post, as well as our post experience um, students. And I think they're quite clear what they're looking for what they're wanting. They're working in a digital world. Much of what they do is being digital and it's now with the with the pandemic has become completely digital. So they want that. That's the expectation. That's the absolute pervasiveness uh, of this technology, the normalization of uh, digital contact, normalization of having an interview such as this over over Zoom is 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 just going to continue. We're not going to shift. We're not going to shift back from that. In terms of then attracting students, I think this is I think this is an interesting one because I think it number one opens up different markets for some schools that, that have traditionally not been we've we've traditionally not serviced. It also enables us to think about, as I said already, about different ways of delivering and looking at elements of experiential learning. So looking to opening up different markets, I suspect schools like Lancaster will probably gain a degree of advantage over schools that are based in big metropolitan areas, which have always had the advantage of proximity to a large number of work students in who part-time students who will be in work. We've always had, well, we're kind of a long way. We're an hour's drive from Manchester, et cetera. It's, it's not easy to get that type of part-time post-experience student. Uh, we've done certain elements where executive MBA is uh, blended, so we can do that. But the vast majority of our programs haven't been. This is now giving us the opportunity to reach out with the intellectual content, the excellent academic content that we've got to wider to wider audiences. And I think we will see a rebalancing of the business that 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 business schools get. Um, we've done very well and in, in the UK, partly because of the funding regime, we've been so heavily dependent on international students and we've done very, very well from them. Let's be, let's be quite clear about that. Um, but we've got a sense of de- a degree of dependence. We've almost been mainlining um, international students as a way of, of, of supporting the business school and supporting the, the wider university. Uh, I suspect that those not the numbers have we pa- have we passed peak um, international student mobility in that really global sense we possibly have so we're going to be needing to look at at, at additional at additional income streams new alternative income streams um, challenge for all of us is they probably will come at lower margin than our international students so we have to find a way of either becoming more efficient or possibly and uh, becoming more efficient and um, growing a wider range of, of, of income streams. So looking at where we are at the moment, I think we all had, when the pandemic first swept through, there was, as the norm across the sector, monumental panic around what this was going to mean. I think we've been quite surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. I hope to goodness I don't come to regret that, um, at where the international student numbers are 
coming, particularly in the pre-experience uh, programs. Uh, I'm thinking masters, pre-experience masters programs, because in some ways I expect the students don't have much option about when they are going to be studying. You've got they've done their they've done their bachelor's degree. They've possibly got a year, two years to do a a a, a postgrad. Um, master's program and then into work. They don't have much latitude in terms of time and things that they might otherwise have done, get a job, go and travel. They're kind of not options at the moment. So I think while, while initial sentiment analysis was suggesting that students, oh, we'd rather not, we'd rather not come this year, we'd rather not have blended delivery. The brutal reality is, and I think the brutal reality is starting to hit, is that one of the alternatives. Um, so I think we've seen our numbers. We've seen our numbers starting to go back to where we'd be expecting them, expecting them to be. I think we will be short on 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 our numbers, but not not hugely. But what it's required us to do is is really think about the value offer we make to we make to the students, and then just for this year only, really look at how we can work to enable the students to come. So there's a there's, there's work Lancaster along with. Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds, universities and others are working around being able to get flights from India and China into Manchester to be able to provide a safe and secure route for students to come. So you've suddenly got business schools into almost the sort of Thomas Cook Tui type um, business. <laughs> so that's that's a change. That's something I would never have I would never have expected us to, to have to do. Looking to the longer term, as I think we're probably past peak face-to-face -face delivery at least in the West. I wonder whether or not there's going to be interesting opportunities um, for more regional hubs mm -hmm. to draw students from across a region to a location and the delivery of um, a degree in that in, in that location. We've got camp, joint venture campus operations in Malaysia, in Germany, in uh, Ghana. Um, and we're certainly seeing our student numbers there looking, looking healthy. And I can imagine us uh, making greater use of those as sources of drawing international students from a region rather than global rather than global travel and we see in INSEAD and many others um, with presence in in, in, in Southeast Asia uh, doing that model very successfully. Absolutely and it's it's an interesting idea and I think a lot of students are in that mindset where they think hang on a second I want I want this master's because I want to continue towards this career that's my goal and that goal hasn't changed so even though things are very different in terms of the program, in terms of delivery and the world itself, they still have that ultimate goal that they need to reach and they want to do the education in order to get there. So having spoken with students from, from all around the world in, in my role to share their stories in the media, that's definitely a strand and a theme that we are seeing when, when we speak to students. So it's interesting that you're seeing that that too and using the international campuses to draw students as well is another aspect I think students will benefit from I mean talking about INSEAD's campus I mean their MBA class is over a thousand people but they can't all be in one room so you know there are different aspects that schools have to look at now in order to be successful I really found Angus's interview so honest and insightful and it's interesting to hear about all the things that he speaks about. 
Yes, of course, uh, in Angus's case, and it's been true of many business schools, there has been such a, a rush to build in glass and steel on campuses, and perhaps now wondering what those uh, buildings will serve as, as a purpose. But I think they do still have an incredibly important role because I've always seen a business school as a hub for different stakeholders, whether it's the talent base uh, of students and alumni, of course, the relationship that a school has with uh, recruiters and their training needs. I could actually see uh, that that building becoming an incubator, an incubator for smart ideas, and that business schools really are at the heart of this ecosystem of, of talent and the interaction between business, science, uh, academia, uh, and perhaps you know home to some of the great uh, startup ideas of the future. So you know the way that we will define business schools and their buildings uh, could uh, change very quickly in the coming years. I think it's true that from now on business schools will change the ways in which they bring people together and we'll see less of the the physical classroom and more of the the online classroom but moving beyond business schools and day-to-day -day learning the, the same could be said of how we gather together professionally in all avenues and i think that's particularly true of events because it's still hugely important that professionals, particularly business school professionals, can come together to share their ideas and their expertise and to engage in that wider community beyond their campus walls. So our next episode in the podcast and our final look at the long-term changes to business education is going to look at online events and virtual events and how we can get the best from those. Steph, can you give us a preview of who we'll be featuring in the next podcast? Absolutely, and it's a good one. And we kick off with our very own PR consultant, Katie Hurley. Then we continue with Angus Lang's interview and we speak to our very own Matt Simmons. Matt, you'll be talking all about virtual events because you are the guru of virtual events these days. So please join us on our next episode. This has been the Blue Sky Education Thinking Podcast. Thanks for listening. For more information and resources, please visit our website, www.blueskye-pr.com.